So we do the vision update typically in May every year. Our fiscal year gets, got shifted a few years back. We went from December to January, or January to December, uh, to uh, moving it late a quarter. Basically, we wanted to focus on mission focus every year. That's over winter break. So our, our fiscal year is from April to March every year, April to March. It's a little weird, but it, it does help us to to have one major focus at a time uh, throughout the year. And uh, normally in May we would do it, but we were still wrestling with COVID. And so what we're doing is we're going to just try to take both updates. We do a financial update in May and then a ministry update in December. But uh, we're going to try to combine those, Lord help us, uh, this morning to do kind of a snapshot of where things are at right now. And so uh, before we get into the details, let's just talk a little bit biblically about vision. You know, whenever we talk about vision, we mean if I have vision, it means I can see. And so when we talk about a vision for our life or for our ministry or for our local church, well, what do we see uh, is the work? What do we see our church or what do we see our lives doing in the work of the Lord? And, and, and your, your answer to that question is going to make or break you in ministry. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy, blessed is he. Whenever you know God's word over your life is become, when you know it's becoming a reality in and through your life, man, that's exciting. I mean, you get, you get excited about that. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so that's the question on the floor this morning is, are you in the middle of God's will for your life? Well, that depends on how you answer the question about God's vision the vision of God for your life. Is it biblical? Is it, are you under the Word of God? Are you believing on it to be a reality in your life? Or is the vision for your life worldly? You know, paradoxically, uh, this year, visions got a bad rap. You know, everybody was looking. It's 2020, so this is the year where everybody talks about vision, and instead we just end up throwing a bunch of puns. Um, you know, all, all, 2020 is all bad 2020 puns. Uh, here's one. I've heard this a few times. In 2020, we're going to have an entire year of bad puns about vision. I can see it clearly. Okay, so that's lame. They get even worse. My vision is like 2020. It's terrible. Uh, this year showed us that nobody had 2020 vision because no one saw 2020 coming. Okay, so wah, wah, wah. okay, so a, a lot of when we talk about vision in 2020, it's like the world's depressed. Well, I want to ask you: Are you depressed? Because if there is no vision, the Bible says people perish. But if you know the Word of God is applied to your life, you know you're in the middle of God's will for your life. You're blessed. You're happy. See, vision moves you in life because you see how your life matters for eternity. It means you've got significance. In your life, if you're going through life with a malaise, you're depressed, you're despondent, you're apathetic, you need to diagnose that because at the root of all of that, what's, what, what is your life aimed at? What's the trajectory of your life? What is your life producing? We just saw in our Sunday series, you know, Paul and his posse, they had a purpose life. Paul just got done saying, you know, in verse 10, it's all about knowing Christ and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. I want to take up my cross and follow Jesus. I want to know him. 
And then he, then he, then he, then he sh- I mean, the Word of God shows us, right, that it's all about pursuing that. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The life that God is calling me to, I'm going to give my life to the pursuit of that. Verse 15 says, if you're mature, this is how you think. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if you get distracted, God will get you back on track. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. So if you're depressed about how your life is going, is your life going in the Word of God? If not, then it's to that degree it's off track and and there's going to be some despondency over that. And so God is revealing to you, hey, I've got a purpose and a plan for your life. Come be a part. Nevertheless, he says, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. The vision that God has for his people, you don't get to make that up. The word of God declares it over your life. And so let's get with it. And then verse 17, he says, you need to follow people who are all about the mission. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them, which walk so as you have us for an example. Well, what was the example that Paul and his posse were giving to the church? I mean, these were people who laid their lives on the line for the mission. They were sold out for the mission of God. The Word of God must be a reality over their life. And so Paul says, hang with people like that. So what you want to do is you want to find a church that's all about the mission and then join with them in that mission. They're all about the vision that the Word of God declares over its people. Be a part of that. Otherwise, the very real danger is that instead of living a purpose life, you live a pernicious life. In verse 18, we see people who are living, their vision isn't God's vision from the Word of God over their life. It's what they want for themselves out of life. And they end up being an enemy of the work. For many walk, verse 18, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Well, because it's not about the mission. It's not about Christ and Him being glorified in the nations. It's about them getting what they want out of life. Their God's their belly. It's all about them. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So that's the invitation on the floor this morning. We're going to give a snapshot. We're going to look at vision the first time it shows up, but we're going to get then a snapshot of everything that's going on in ministry a ministry that we did not design, a ministry that's laid out for a local church in the Word of God. So come and join with us. We need your help to win souls, make disciples, and see this ministry multiplied around the world. In other words, please help us. You want to be a part of something that will matter 10,000 years from now. I want to be a part of something where 10,000 years from now, I meet someone who is in the kingdom of God, who's in heaven with us forever, that was led to Christ by somebody who was led to Christ by somebody who was led to Christ by somebody who was discipled by somebody who was led to Christ by somebody who was discipled by somebody that we won to the Lord and discipled. And they don't know my name. They don't know your name. But they know the name of Jesus Christ as their king and their Lord. And the reason they're saved is because down the line, we were a part, we were a link in that chain, right? We were a a slat in that fence. We were a, a, a... we were a paver on that road that, that made sure that person met the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of something like that. I don't want to waste my life 
trying to get a sweet house and a sweet boat and sweet ride and sweet duds and, 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 and sweets on my table and, and sweet. Come on. It's not about us. It's not about you, right? Oh, I can't, what is their name? The eternal one. It's, we'll get, it's not about you, Dr. Strange. Okay, so, and that's it right there. Be a part of something that you know is going to matter for eternity. When we talk about vision from the Word of God, it's always good to actually look at how the Word is used. There's a rule of Bible study that says the first time a word in the Bible shows up, it'll be defined for you, and you're going to see what you should learn. You ought to see what the emphasis is in terms of that word or concept in the Bible. And the first time vision shows up in your King James Bible is it shows up in Genesis chapter 15. And so this morning, I want us to see the elements of a biblical vision Verse 1, Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And so I want to compare verse 1 with verse 6 and, 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 and show you that what we need to see this morning is that if we have a vision from God, it's going to be about faith, not fear. It's going to be about believing what God said, not getting overcome by our circumstances. It's about getting full of faith and following what God said instead of giving excuses for why what God calls us to could never happen in our lives. See, here's the first thing, verse 1. A vision from God actually comes from the Word of God. Look at how verse 1 reads. After these things, what came to Abram in a vision? The Word of the Lord. It wasn't his musings that came to Abram. It wasn't his best idea. It wasn't, it wasn't some insight that he gave after a night of binging on Pizza Hut pizza. Uh, no, the word of the Lord. So if you've got a vision that does not come from the word of the Lord, well, then you don't have a vision from God over your life. It's got to come from the word of the Lord. And the vision puts the focus, right? This vision, if it's coming from God, it puts the focus on God, not on your circumstances. Verse 6 says that Abraham believed in the Lord, and so the Lord counted it to Abraham for righteousness. See, God's vision for his people is always beyond them. And that was Abraham's first, that was his initial response. Look at my circumstances. I don't even have a kid. And you're telling me my, I'm, I'm the father of a nation that will be as the stars of heaven? I mean, he couldn't see that one day we'd be sitting here singing, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham, had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Oh, he couldn't see any of that. My hired hand is going to be my heir. See, God's vision for his people, yeah, if it's a vision from the Lord, you can't perform it. It's beyond you. But we're called to believe. Why? Because God will provide. God will prove himself faithful. God will perform everything he has promised us as his people. So instead of getting, if the vision is from the Lord, it's going to call us to faith in God. Yeah, the circumstances don't look good, but we see God for who he is, and so there's no fear. 
When you see Christ for all that he is in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it will put your eyes out. It is awesome. It is magnificent. It's majestic. It's terrifying. It's beautiful. John saw him and fell at his feet as dead, and Jesus, Revelation 1, 17, laid his right hand upon me, the Bible says, saying unto me, what? Fear not. I am the first and the last. And that's God's word to all of us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He is our protection. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. David said in Psalm 119.114, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. David, I want you to lead my people. It's going to be rough. David says, I run to you. You're my protection. I hope in thy word. He says, I'm your exceeding great reward. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion. Saith my soul, therefore, I will hope in him. Lo, I am with you always. That's the promise of God to his people. And now look at verses 2 through 5. A biblical vision doesn't put you on a path to failure but fruit. So a vision from God includes a vision for fruit. And we looked at this last December in our annual review of ministry. Dispensationally, we understand that that has always been God's mission for man, to be fruit-bearing. When God put Adam and Eve on the planet 6,000 years ago, he didn't say, just build a nice life for yourself in the garden. No, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. Look at verse 28, Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So the mission of God for man at the beginning was fill the earth with life that will love and follow and worship me. That was the, well, we know Adam failed in that mission. He took the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. He rebelled against the Lord, and so he was cast from the garden. So the second Adam had to come. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes as the Lamb of God and took our sin to the cross of Calvary where we butchered him, we sacrificed him. We, creation, we killed the creator, but the wrath of the Father over my sin and yours was satisfied 2,000 years ago. So this is why Christ can say, Father, forgive them. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in the grave. Three days later, by his power, by the power of God, Christ rose from the grave to eternal life. And now here we are. We can believe on him as our sin bearer as our Lord and Savior. And so when I was 12, I cried out for mercy and forgiveness. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life and save me. I want to I be born again, you know? So Jesus, the second Adam, comes. And after his resurrection, look at what he says to us. He plants us in a garden, right? The garden now is the whole planet. And he says to us, all power, this is what he says to the church, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach who? All nations. So the first Adam, it's a physical commission to fill the earth with his physical offspring. But now the church has been given a spiritual commission to fill the earth with Christ's spiritual offspring. 
into all the earth, right? Teach all nations. Those that believe on the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And those that take that first step of obedience, then we disciple them. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And brothers and sisters, we have our vision. We have our marching orders. We have a mission. We don't get to set the vision. We don't get to make up the mission. We don't get to say what we're going to do as a church. We have a king, and he commands us in terms of what to do. Now, how we fulfill those commandments, how we obey that mission, how we obey that vision, that may change based on circumstances. But whatever we do, whatever we change in terms of what we do, it has to fall out to preaching the gospel, winning souls, teaching, making disciples, equipping, and sending people to the uttermost parts of the earth. That is the work that God has called us to. I don't, as the senior pastor of this church, I don't get to set some different, some new vision for this church. It's set for us. God has given us his life and his word, and so the relationship with, that we have with God must be multiplied around the world, and we do that via evangelism and discipleship. This is why we want everyone trained in the work. We want to see every member of MBT mature in Christ. We want to see every member conform to the image of Christ, and we want you mobilized, right? We want you equipped to go and make disciples, whether that's in your neighborhood where you work, where you go to school. God's called you to make a difference in the lives of people. So here's our motto. Every member, a minister. Every member must be equipped for the work. Why? Because we want to be fruit-bearing. One day we will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to give an account for how we've invested our life. Were we pernicious? Was it all about us? Or were we productive for our king? We lay our life down knowing him, entering into the fellowship of his suffering, right? Knowing the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Did we take up our cross and follow him? With all my heart, I want you to have fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul could say to the church at Thessalonica, notice, it's, notice the pronoun, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing. It's not just Paul, it's the team that he's leading. What is MBT? What is our, our, not my, our hope, joy, crown of rejoicing? Is it not even our disciples at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? I want you to be able to point to somebody at the judgment seat that you had a part in winning or that you helped to train up I want you to make an investment in the lives of people, and that can be on the, on, on the service end, just through helping us make sure the building is safe, clean, and ready, that the cars are watched, that the building is secure, that the kids are watched in the nursery, that the building is clean, that, 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 that the donuts, I mean, don't you know that donuts help move the mission forward? Churches run on coffee and donuts. Glory to God. And we don't play nothing but the best for Jesus and Jesus' people. Messenger coffee, Lamar's Donuts does not get any better than that. You say, well, you cut them in half. Well, do you want to be a glutton or what? <laughs> Come on. If you want a whole donut, just go, go get back in line and get the other half of your donut. <laughs> a 
Lamar's donuts are really good. You can eat four or five of those before you even really get, before you even realize you're taking a hit. Look at verse number six, a vision from the Lord, right? If it's from God, it's going to produce faith, not doubt. Look at what he says, verse six, and he, Abraham, he believed in the Lord and he counted it. God counted it to him, to Abram for righteousness. See, a vision from the Lord demands our belief. Are we going to believe on what he said or are we going to give our excuses for why we can't? Faith is not just mental assent, right? It produces a change in you. So here it is in verses 2 through 5. He's saying, you know, you're saying this, but I don't have any children. Abram is tempted to get his eyes on his circumstances to get him off the word, the promise of God, onto why he can't do what God's called him to do. And God's promises, we're either going to believe on them or going to give excuses for why we can't submit to them. So faith is not just agreeing with something that's true. It's not just mental assent. It should produce a change in you. If you have faith, James 2.18, your faith should show up in what you do. James says, I will show thee my faith by my works. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What you believe ought to be evident in your life. It ought to be substantive, right? If I believe something about the Word of God, if I believe the call of God over my life, it's going to show up in my walk. I'm not going to be able to hide it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What you believe must show up in your service to the Lord. So here's the key. Again, we're not, we don't set some new vision every year. The Word of God sets our vision. And when you get God's vision for your life, When you believe on it, you don't keep living your life. No, you lay it down and you live his. You do it, right? You live God's mission by his word, not your opinions, right? You're submitted to the Bible. You do it in the structure that he calls you to. There aren't, I mean, biblically, you don't see Rambos for Jesus. God works through the local church, and you do it doing his work, I'm serving the Lord by, by, you know, <laughs> never mind. I'll, I'll say something back. You know, I just noticed that, that, that whenever I work the strip club and I'm stripping, I've got everybody's attention and I'm going to preach the gospel. No, that's not, no, nah, no, nah, no, no, that's, that's lasciviousness at best. Okay, like nah, out of bounds, right? Like you don't get to roll however you want to roll. And if you're a stripper, I didn't say that to offend you, just to caution you. Okay, so. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, <laughs> so what is the work? Well, it's to be a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping, and sending church. And the way that we do that is laid out for us. We don't get to do that any old which way that we want, right? We have to follow the plan that God gives us in His Word. So we got to stay dependent on the Bible, on the Word of God, on the Spirit of God. It's got to be in the power of God's Spirit if we're going to do the work that God calls us to do. So having said that, the mission that God's given us, it's big, and it's beyond our ability, and we're trusting the Lord to grow in the work. And so here is, we've been giving a snapshot. We're going to 
Uh, Lord willing, we'll keep working on how we present the numbers to keep them as simple and as straightforward and as clear as possible so that we can see what are we trending toward being a growing disciple-making church or are we trending toward just being that church that wants to hold services on Sunday and then live for ourselves Monday through Saturday. So in terms of discipleship one, okay, let's look at the discipleship one. I want to bring up the 2018 numbers so you have a snapshot of where we're coming from. In 2018, we had 100 people discipling with almost 15 available to disciple, and we had 40 people that we were training in D2 to be disciple makers. And what we said in 2019 is, let's trust God for everyone that can disciple to be discipling. And so we were projecting roughly 200 people uh, for 2019. And so here's 2019's discipleship one numbers. In 2019, this is what we reported on last December, we had 179 when we took the snapshot. Again, that wasn't for the year. It was just 179 people discipling with, again, 50 people available, and we were training 45 uh, to disciple. And so what we said is in 2020, let's trust God that there'll be 240 discipling. And so here are the numbers for this year. Uh, Right now we have, we're this is up through August, okay? We have 130 people discipling. Now, 52 have finished discipleship, and with that, there is another 36 people. So, 166 people have discipled this year, and the way it works is you finish up with someone. Typically, there's a little break before you take on your next disciple, and so the way the discipleship discipler numbers, the people who are discipling works, it kind of graphs like this, you know? But the idea is that we're always training more people and adding more people to our number. 93 currently in discipleship. Here's what's exciting is we've got 63 people being trained for discipleship. Again, what's the goal? We want to win souls. We want to train and equip. So if we're winning souls, we'll have more people to train and equip for the work And so, again, this number hasn't changed because that's what we're trusting the Lord for. Here's the cool thing is we have two more cost of discipleship classes that that are scheduled this year. And if we get, we've been typically averaging uh, in low 20s, right? It's 20 to 25 per, per cost of discipleship class. And so with them, what we do is whenever we put a discipler with a disciple, we also take one of these people that we were training in D2 and put them with them as an apprentice. Uh, So whenever it's time for you to disciple, don't worry. Uh, We're not going to let you mess it up. We'll put you with someone who is seasoned, who has done this a time or two, and uh, you'll work with them in making a disciple. And so that's worked out really well for us. So praise the Lord. We're kind of, it looks like, on track to have had 240 roughly people discipling in uh, 2020. So keep praying. And above all, keep in, right? Keep focused in doing this work with us. Purpose to be a part. Because if you don't, if you don't, if we don't keep the discipleship ministry, the main thing, at the core of everything that we're doing, what will happen is life will happen to you and it'll take you out of the mission. COVID, Um, what pastors are finding out, takes 12 weeks of sheltering in place for most people to go from being a regular church attender, serving in their local church, to just kind of being adrift, and the world's got them. 
Uh, I, I dare say we've got people in this church that are not with us today that know better. You say, well, I have to shelter in place. Well, stay connected, right? Help us. I mean, we've done a lot of discipleship on Zoom. Don't stop the mission because you're sheltering in place. Uh, don't, be a, don't, don't look at your excuse and now you've got a reason to be a bum. Yeah, I'm talking to you. My desire for you is fruit at the judgment seat. Love the Lord. Don't be satisfied if you're not growing spiritually and you're not helping people to grow spiritually. We said in December that we wanted to trust God to start two new Sunday fellowships this year. And all I have to say about that is coronavirus stinks. Uh, it's messed up our schedule and we're struggling for space. You are in fellowships that have to meet twice just to make room uh, for everybody with the, you know, we're trying to do our best with social distancing. And so as the virus tapers off, right now Missouri is one of the hot spots. And, and so, you know, we're, we're probably still several weeks away from being able to make any kind of a schedule change that will facilitate us to make more fellowships available. So we'll see. This is up to the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. Our corporate prayer meeting is continuing to grow. It's coming back online. So let's stay steadfast and determined that we're going to keep Tuesday night a priority. It is the most important service. It's the most important thing that we do in ministry. The reason we win souls and make disciples, the reason we're training leaders and multiplying ministry around the world is because we call on the Lord together in this place. This Tuesday, we'll celebrate our Lord's Supper. We've had, it's been a long time since we've been able to do this, and so we will do that this Tuesday night. Again, don't forget, we've, we've re-implemented the Tuesday night meal. That's to facilitate people to come straight from work if they need to. And glory to God, this Tuesday night, they're bringing in Chick-fil-A. There's a God in heaven, and He is good. And Chick-fil-A is proof that God is a genius. I mean, that God could make an animal that could be made to taste like that is just, that's foresight. That's what that is. That's foresight. So what you do is you order online. That's a, that is not a profit center for the church. We actually subsidize that. We, the church loses money, but it, it facilitates people to be able to just get to the prayer meeting. And so make sure your tummy's not rumbling because after your supper, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And uh, that'll be this Tuesday. We're going to also schedule another three weeks of prayer and fasting because the work God's called us to is beyond us. Uh, we don't have dates for that yet, but those will come soon. Hopefully this Tuesday we'll be able to announce it. I'll talk to the pastors tomorrow. Uh, in terms of mission, okay, our multiplication vision, I'm happy to report once again that there are no changes to that vision. Uh, we're we're going to do what we're taught. Uh, we're going to send proven leaders with proven tools to key cities, right? Key leaders with key tools to key cities. Uh, and by proven, what do I mean? Okay, we want to send people who are fruitful here. If you're not fruitful here, right? If you didn't train here, if you didn't, if you didn't get discipled here, if you didn't help us make disciples here, uh, if you weren't willing to, 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 to get what you needed uh, you know, we've got a Bible school because you need to know your Bible cover to cover because you're responsible for what's in that book. You say, ministry is the pastor's job. No, it's not. My job is to make sure you stay off your sanctified keister and keep it moving in ministry. That's my job. 
My job is to make sure that you're getting equipped and you're helping to equip, equip others. Read Ephesians 4, okay? Uh, your, the work of the ministry is your responsibility, and I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to, I mean, I am talking to the person next to you, but, but just hear me. I'm talking to you. I'm trying to get eyeball to eyeball with all of you. God wants to use you. So it's my job to make sure you know that and that you're growing in the Word the way that you're supposed to grow in the Word so that you can help us grow others as well. LFBI, that is structured so that you will study and know and know how to use your Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. This fall, we have 301 students in our Bible school. That's up by 60 over last fall. Um, Praise the Lord, the Bible school continues to grow. The number I'm probably most excited about is the people who continue to use it you may have graduated from Bible school, but, but, but you're still using the material. You're still accessing the classes. Uh, this year, we have over 400 active users on the mylfbi.org website. So the, the, that engine is supporting 400 people plus to know and use their Bible in ministry. So be equipped, and then be faithful here. Because if you're not fruitful, fruitful here, right, moving to the mission field isn't going to make you magically productive in ministry. And so get this down in your notes. A change in geography doesn't make you a better quality person. If you're not faithful where God has you, well, then why would we send you? Luke 16.10 says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So we want to send mature, proven, fruitful leaders with proven tools and a proven ministry philosophy to win souls, make disciples, train and equip leaders. And if you can't help us do that here, I'm sorry, we're not going to send you. Now, it's not a cult. It's, uh, we get that rap from time to time. You just need to know this. From time to time, we get the rap that we're a cult. And uh, it's, uh, I'll just tell you, it's because we use a King James Bible Um, and I don't correct it all the time. In the typical church, the typical pastor is preaching from multiple versions of the Bible, and everyone, they're correcting because they want the church to know they're the smartest person in the room, that they're the authority, not the Word of God. Uh, You will not hear me correcting this book. This book will correct me. This book, the English Bible that we have, the King James Version of the Bible, is the only English text that is based on a received text. Every other English translation, and I mean every other one, including the New King, New King James Bible, is based on text that historically the church has rejected as being texts with errors, texts that were corrupted. Every other modern version of the Bible uses corrupted texts for their translation. So in terms of, you know, in one sense, we're not King James only. We have people here who speak Spanish, Vietnamese. You, you bring your Bible, but in terms of us English speakers, our authority is the King James Bible, not what the pastor thinks he knows. Does that make sense? So apparently that, you know, historically the definition of a cult was once you walked in these doors, we strapped you down, you couldn't leave. Right? You got coerced and you got shunned because you left. We love you. This church, this city is full of churches. Find the one that fits you. We still love you. Come visit. We'll give you a donut and a great cup of coffee because we love you. We're brothers and sisters. But as for me and my house, 
this is the book, okay? So if, if, if now the definition of cult has been warped to that, well then, you know, whatever, I don't, I can't fix that. We uh, planted a church in Lee Summit, and uh, kids were getting saved, high schoolers were getting saved, getting excited about the Bible, they were getting excited about discipleship, and their parents, Christian parents, were telling the kids, don't go to that church, they're a cult, they take the Bible too seriously, you should be out, I mean, use your drugs, here's your prophylactics, go out and party, sow your wild oats. These are Christian, so-called Christian parents telling their kids, don't go to a church, they're too serious about the Bible, you should be partying right now. Man, I'm not apologizing for any of that, that's messed up. So yeah, if being serious about the mission means we're off base, well then, you know, says you. I don't know, at some point, we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to have to give an answer for how we invest our life. I want to be able to say, you know, I didn't do it perfectly, none of us did, but man, we endeavored to do what you said. You got to decide, are you a Bible believer or are you a Bible excuser? I know what the Bible says, but here's why I can't, here's why I can't do what God's called me to do. So we want to take a proven ministry philosophy, you know, I'll just, we're going to run out of time, uh, real quick, Okay. Uh, what time does this, this service end? We started at 9.15. It ends at 10. Ah, okay. There's just not enough time. People say you can't use a King James Bible to reach kids. We're winning young people to Christ left and right. Um, if if, if you've got to take Shakespeare in junior high, you can understand a King James Bible. Okay, so whatever. Um, church planning. Uh, COVID stinks. But we still sent the team to Boston, praise the Lord. Tonight, they hold their first service. That's tonight. How awesome is that? Vietnam. Vietnam, we wanted to have a team there this year to join the disciples there. Coronavirus stinks. It keeps messing with our plans. Uh, so Lord willing, that's been moved back to, to next spring. But that's still on track. Be praying for disciples in Kenya, in Japan, and Denver. Uh, it looks like we've got Bible study multiplying in those places, and, and you know, basically, this, this is why we send a, a team to Boston. We want to send people to key cities, target-rich environments where we can win international students to Christ, disciple them, and then follow them home, and uh, with them, reach their nation for Christ. Last year, we had a fatherless focus, and we want to continue that. We want to keep fostering uh, we want to keep supporting foster families. We want to support Faxon Elementary. We want to help kids go to school in El Salvador. We want to keep supporting refugee children in Costa Rica and orphans in Nepal, Malawi, and Israel. We want to support the Hatikva Project. And so last year, we raised $34,500 for the Fatherless Fund. And this year, we want to continue. Giving Tuesdays, December 1st. And so be praying about that. With all my heart, I believe that that uh, the, um, the Giving Tuesday, giving to the fatherless, that ought to be the biggest offering that we take up every year. So be praying about that, December 1st. And then financially, okay, thank you for buying into the mission. Thank you for being faithful givers. Uh, normally we do this in May, May but uh, let me just tell you, thank you for your faithfulness. I, I read a report yesterday that said that 
that uh, many are projecting that one out of five churches will fail as a result of this pandemic. The financial fallout uh, will take them offline. You need to know that we're growing this year in giving as a church. Why? Well, because we're mission-focused. That's why we're growing. As a matter of fact, because we're winning souls and making disciples, even in a pandemic, we're actually trending this year to, to giving actually $60,000 over last year. Uh, it looks like the budget is going to grow again, even in the midst of a pandemic. Just a quick review. This is from two years ago. This is the 2018-2019 calendar year, and this included financials from Living Faith Lee Summit. So everything that, that, that came in through Lee Summit and our ministry outreach there worked through our budget because until they were ready to be on their own, they were basically MBT and Lee Summit legally and financially. But we had a, um, a $1.82 million budget with an income of almost $8 million. And what's exciting about that is 38% of our budget went outside of what we were doing here at 40th and Walnut in ministry which is unheard of. I don't know if you know this, but in today's age, many megachurches don't even give 1% of their overall budget to missions, okay? And it's very common for large churches to give 1% to 2% of their overall budget to missions. And that's just, uh, I couldn't sleep at night if that's how our budget ran. And so 30, 38, almost 40% of the budget going to missions represents great sacrifice. You know, we're always squawking about we need educational space. If we didn't spend money on missions, if all that money just would go into a building fund, we could just build or buy whatever we wanted, okay? Um, but that's not how God has called us to roll in His Word. Now, last year, the 2019-2020 budget, now Lee Summit is their own church, so the only included financials from last year would be Living Faith in Tampa. Uh, the budget grew. We had a $1.96 million budget with an income of $1.88 million. And what was exciting about last year, again, we're still, you know, one of the, our, our goal is that when we're mature and we're not, we're not scrambling for space to meet in, that half our budget would go to missions. Half our budget would go to kingdom. And um, so last year, we didn't have as much going on with the building, and so the, the, the kingdom spending was over 40% last year, uh, 20 on the building, 28.7 uh, on running the ministry, and then in terms of inReach, a lot of that's just showing up and us being together, so that's not the expensive part of what we do, and so that's 8.65%, but Kingdom giving was over 42%. Praise the Lord. That's money that we did not spend on us. We spent it on the kingdom. So praise the Lord. Here's where we're trending this year. All right. This is just with five months of our calendar year. And you'll notice that kingdom giving is down. Why? Well, because we're not going. All of the travel portion is gone. Now, don't worry. It's going to go up because we're planting a church in Boston and that ain't going to be cheap, <laughs> okay? That will go up. But if, 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 if our travel's completely shut down, I'm projecting we'll be just over 30%. This will be where we were a few years ago. Once we get you guys out back doing missions, global missions, uh, we'll see that other 10% come online. Um, 
But um, this is just five months into the year, so we're actually trending uh, $60,000 ahead of, uh, for the year. It's a, it's a projection of the year being $60,000 ahead over where we were last year. Uh, now, again, the year's not over. Things aren't final. Uh, but the reason the resources are growing is because this church is mission-minded. You guys are make, winning souls and making disciples. You guys are bought in. A uh, little more in terms of reporting, you need to know, I think most do, but we were trying to buy the grocery store across the street. Praise the Lord, that fell through. Because when the assessment finally came in, it wasn't even worth a third of what they wanted to sell it for. And, and so it doesn't change the fact that we need more educational space. So be praying for Chris Miller and Mitch Dobson and the team that's researching how to get the, ex, uh, the, the educational space that we need. Uh, our mortgage, we currently owe $238,000, almost $239,000 on the properties that we own. That's this building and the house to the north of us. Uh, so we just keep steadily chipping away at that. Our giving units went up by, by, by uh, uh, 50 more over 2019. Our giving units, we had to change the way we were counting them because the bank wanted to know everybody that gave 600 or more for the year. Normally, we wouldn't count that. We're, we, we would talk about a giving unit as someone who faithfully gives. And so that changes the way we report on giving units. But, uh, you know, 260 giving units doesn't mean we have 260 biblical givers. Uh, some are growing uh, in faith. Once you come to the place where faith says, man, the Bible says that I believe it, well, then you're going to tithe. You're going to trust the Lord with your resources. But giving is growing, and so praise the Lord. Get full of faith and be a part of that. Uh, because we need to give to the kingdom account. This is the way this typically works. In the past, uh, well, most organizations that send, they take the missionary raises money, and then the missions organization takes 10% or 20% off the top to coordinate everything. So the fifes go to Pakistan, and they raise money, and the organization gets 12%. Well, okay, we don't want to roll that way. The people that we send, we want to support them out of who we are as a local church. And so give to kingdom, because we need support. If half our budget is going to go to multiplying ministry around the world, well, then we need resources and staff to support that. And so just like you could give to a missionary or you could give to LFBI, I want every member at MBT to pray about just giving to missions. Why? Well, I got to tell you, with where we're at in ministry, it's a real shame that we haven't hired Pastor Best full-time. Um, he's, we've needed him full-time for some time now. And so not just Pastor Best, we're going to need more people to help support our missions agenda. And so would you pray about giving to support what we're doing in missions around the world by giving to the kingdom account? You can designate kingdom or missions. I say all that to say this. I want you guys to purpose to be a part, to be a part of the ministry, to help what the vision that God has given a local church in this place, to help us move that forward. Tonight, we're going to have a ministry service meeting at 5.30. We've got a lot of new people coming. We need to put you to work. You can work a broom. You can work the parking lot. You can work. You say, I haven't been trained to disciple yet. That's okay. 
those toilets don't clean themselves, praise the Lord. It's ministry training. Uh, you can help us in the kid town. You can help us in nursery. You can help us with connections. You can help us on security. Uh, you can help us by, by, by serving, but also by taking the next step in your path to growth. And so we want to meet with everybody uh, that, that can come out tonight at 5.30, and we're going to get coordinated on ministry service. Uh, we're going to do dollar a slice pizza. Uh, the idea is everybody bears their own burden, but if you don't have cash, come anyway. Uh, we will not let you starve, okay? You, you can eat pizza on us, but that's at 5.30. We need a count for that. If you are coming at 5.30, would you raise your hand if you want pizza? Because uh, we need to know how much to order. Just raise it real big. Uh, I want to eat a slice of pizza for Jesus tonight. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. All right. So this was a little different service. Uh, we covered a lot of information. Um, if there is any question that you have, if there's any concern, if there's anything that you're personally struggling with, you need prayer or counsel about something, uh, maybe you need to know what the Bible says about something that's going on in your life. Uh, we are dismissed right now, but if you have any need, come forward and one of our leaders will grab you and uh, we'll, we'll help you any way that we can. All right? I love you. God bless you. I'll see you tonight at the ministry coordination meeting, uh, Tuesday night at our corporate prayer meeting. God bless you. You are dismissed.